How much money do you need to make? When you take into account all your bills, the fun things you want to do in life, the money you want to save or give to causes you care about, what's that number look like? What would be enough for you? Bear Bear is here today to help us think about what's really enough for us in terms of pricing, goal setting, and content making. Welcome to Big Fun Content, the show that helps you stand out from everyone else in your industry by building a brand you love and creating content that's impossible to ignore. I'm your host, Deanna Seymour, a graphic designer who creates high-energy visuals and short-form videos for some of the sassiest, boldest, most rebellious online businesses out there. Are you ready to up the fun in your content? Let's get started. Hey, Bear. How's it going? Great. So glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for wearing a totally on-brand shirt for my podcast. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) My pleasure. I'm sure you really planned that. Just kidding. Okay, tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Because I think you're like, are you a diamond in the rough? I feel like there's not a lot of people doing what you're doing in my world. So I just want the people to know who you are and what you do. Yes, that might be true. My name is Bear Avery. My pronouns are they, them. I think of myself as an anti-capitalist business coach. I also do some life coaching. I do some artist coaching. So I have a variety of different things that are happening in my coaching life. I also teach classes about like social justice things. So I teach an undoing patriarchy class that's mostly for men. But yeah, my business work, the stuff that's probably most relevant to your audiences is working with people in businesses, mostly people who are tiny businesses, like one to five people who are trying to figure out how to make money without selling themselves out to the capitalist machine. Okay. This is funny because before I met you in Maggie Patterson's amazing group, my husband is a punk rocker, as the people say, and I was a little bit of a punk, but not as punk as him, not as smelly as him when we were younger. So we have had conversations where as I'm building my business, he's like, screw capitalism. And I'm like, yeah. And then I'm like, wait, I'm trying to grow a business. Am I a capitalist? What's going on? And I couldn't wrap my head around it. And I felt like I was sort of defending capitalism, knowing I didn't want to, but being in that conversation, like, well, I don't know what's going on because I think I'm a capitalist because I have a business. And I think it was either in the workshop you taught where I met you, or perhaps I took your workshop freely, an anti-capitalist guide to pricing your work. Somewhere along the lines, I feel like it was you who taught me that there was a difference between capitalism and commerce. Yeah. And that was like one of the biggest light bulb moments in my life, not to be dramatic, but I was struggling with how do I grow a business and not be a capitalist jerk? I think I'm choosing this path. And then when I heard that, I was like, oh, okay. So... Can you like talk about that a little bit for the people? Like turn this light bulb up a little bit. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So yeah, capitalism and commerce are not the same. Commerce is just the buying and selling of goods and services. And that commerce has been going on for a really long time, much longer than capitalism has existed. And capitalism is a really specific economic system that is built on continuous growth and extraction. Well, really, it's built on continuous growth. And in order to make the continuous growth happen, extraction has to happen as a result of that or does inevitably happen as a result of that. And so I think it's really possible for us, especially as really small business owners, to run businesses that are based on commerce that are not necessarily also based on capitalism, that are not trying to get bigger and bigger and bigger forever. I think that there's, I mean, 
yeah, I could go on and on about what's happening in the online business space and what we get trained to think about as valid as business owners and people making money. But basically, like, it's not inherently capitalistic to make money. It's not inherently capitalistic to try to run a business. It's not inherently capitalistic to try to make enough money even. So I think that also gets a little tricky for people where it's like, well, I can run a business and not be a capitalist as long as I'm still broke. And it's Um, like, well, I actually think it's possible to like make enough money and still not be uh, pursuing capitalist goals inside your business. Okay. So this is perfect. I'm like, did we discuss this before? No, we didn't. This is exactly where I wanted to go because after I took the workshop, the Freely workshop, I sat down with my partner, Matt, and we talked about Like, how much money do we need? And I feel like when people talk about money and pricing things in the online business space, it feels, well, first of all, it's overwhelming for most people, right? You don't know what to charge, especially when you're starting. You don't know how long things take. You don't know whatever people are just saying, charge a million dollars, charge your worth. It's worth it. And you're like, I don't know if it's worth it. And then you feel like there's something wrong with you. So taking freely and sitting down and being like, how much money do we need or do we want And for us, we have a few tabs, which it's not like me to make a spreadsheet, but that's how we did it because it can add it all up. So we were like our mortgage, daycare, this, that. And then we started also being like, oh yeah, we don't save anything for retirement right now. What would that look like? What would saving for a new car for Matt look like? What would... And then you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, we are broke. (laughs) We are broke. We do not have money to fill all these lines. But it wasn't the like six figure dream that you feel like is so just like you have to keep working, keep hustling. Like it was still a number that was higher than what we had. And so what we actually ended up doing after the workshop was also figuring that number out, but also even dreaming a little bit above that. Like, what would it look like also if we could save for our kids' colleges or like there's just other grown up things we're not doing because we just don't have the funds to put it a line item in. And so anyways, I just think putting it on paper, but we even made steps where it was like, even the middle one of like, what would be like, what is like enough right now for us to just pay our bills? Okay, that number we need to get to. I'm (laughs) rambling because I'm trying to get to the point where I think sometimes people do this formula. And after I took your workshop, this is why I also want to talk to you. Sometimes the formula for people is like, how much do you want to make? And it's some big, crazy dream number. And then you divide that by however it's like, I want to make half a million dollars and I only want to work 10 hours a week. So I'm going to charge each client a bajillion dollars so that I can sit on the beach all week. (laughs) But this was not like this. I think that's why I was like rambling and giving so much background information. So since you're actually the guest who knows what's going on and you made that workshop, can you talk a little bit about how to decipher between those two models? Because it almost sounds like it was going to be the same, but it's really not the same. Yeah, definitely. I actually really love that you gave all the specificity because I think it's a place that people really get tripped up where they're like, but how much am I allowed to include? And does this count? And does that count? And so yeah, hearing about retirement and like your kids college funds and things like that. I think it's really important for us to like name actually when you're self-employed, all of those pieces have to come from inside the business. There's no retirement package that's coming. There's no 401k. There's no healthcare costs, right? So all of that stuff has to get included in your budget whenever you're calculating for that number of how much do you actually need. 
And I think that question of how much do I need and charge based on what you need rather than what you think you can get or what you think your work is worth or what other people are charging or even like what you think you're qualified to charge for, right? If you're like, I have done a ton of education, I have a ton of training, therefore my work should be really expensive. And it's like, well, maybe, but maybe not. (laughs) And so I really try to help people orient around figuring out what are your actual specific needs. And that's going to be different for each of us, right? If you live in a place that's really cheap and I live in a place that's really expensive, my housing costs, for instance, might be literally like five times as much as somebody else's. Well, then I have to calculate for that. And the thing that you described too, I think of it as like a subsistence budget, a survival budget and a thriving budget. And I encourage people to like make three levels of budget when you're calculating for what it is that you need, because that subsistence budget is, okay, there's nothing extra here, but we can get by. And then the survival budget is like, all right, we can afford health insurance. We can afford to always buy the nice groceries or whatever, right? Whatever the things are that feel like they get you out of being like just really flat broke. And then that next level that you described of like the thriving budget where it's like, okay, from here, we're going to save for retirement. We're going to save for our kids' college. We're going to have a vacation fund or a travel fund or whatever the things are that are important to each of us, right? For me, it's I want to be able to buy a cute shirt at full price sometimes, like those kinds of things where it's like, okay, that's what it looks like for me to thrive. For you, maybe it's fancy vacations or not even, it doesn't even need to be fancy, right? But just like any of that stuff that's a little bit extraneous. And to me, that's so different than just picking an arbitrary number. I want to make $500,000 a year. Okay, why? What do you need that money for? Maybe you do actually, when you do the calculations, need $500,000 if you live in an expensive place and you have lots of dependents or whatever, right? Maybe you need even more than that. And that's okay. So it's not about me having a judgment about how much other people need. But I do have some judgment about people picking a random number. I'm like, that random number means nothing. And that random number, I think, is like hung up in a capitalist ideology that says we should always be aiming higher. We should always want to make more. And actually, I don't want to make more and more and more forever. I want to make what's actually enough and then live a happy life making enough. Yes. Okay. I want to take a quick break. But when we come back, I want to explore this idea of things being enough. So Vera's course freely inspired the pricing model I used for my workshop called Steelist Course. It's meant to help you ditch the guilt of any past purchases that you feel like were a mistake, recognize predatory marketing tactics used by folks in the online business space, analyze your own buying behaviors, and design a personal framework you can consult before making any future purchases. It includes a recording of the online business shame show, an anonymous group Zoom meeting where people just like you shared their past buying mistakes, and a bonus podcast episode with Maggie Patterson and Dr. Michelle Major, host of the podcast Duped, The Dark Side of Online Business. It's just nine bucks, but if you've already spent way too much on courses, you can just steal it. Head over to stealthiscourse.com to learn more. Okay, cool. All right, let's talk a little bit more. I like that you said you're not judging people because when I first sat down after the workshop, I was like, we don't need that. There's a difference between a need and a want. Like, we don't need that. And I was like, oh my God, Vera's telling me I can't have anything, which is totally not true, everyone. I love that your example was like, buying a shirt that's not on sale or whatever. We just took our kids to the beach last weekend and we're still like on a bit of a budget. And so before we went, I was like, okay, 
we're on vacation, but we can't go too crazy. We're at the beach. We're right on the beach. The beach is the fun. So we don't need to spend a bunch of, we brought snacks. But then there was like, you know what? We are at the beach. Let's get a snow cone. Like, how can we not get a, so I want a budget for my snow cones in the future. I want to live a fun life where I'm not constantly worried about money, which is honestly what I've been my whole life, either in debt or worried about money, or like you said, broke. And I do think growing up, like being a punk or whatever, like you're broke and like rich people are bad. There is some of that money mindset stuff, I think sometimes. So let's talk about, I just like this idea too, from enough means that you can also chill out in your business. Like yeah. I felt a sense of relaxation where I was like, oh, I don't have to just keep scaling and growing and like Q3 better be better than Q4. You know, I want yeah. you to talk more about the calmness, I guess, that can come from doing this also and not having to build your empire. <laughs> yeah, I'm like so not interested in building an empire. I'm interested in having a beautiful life that has not a lot of worry about money. The world has many things that I want to worry about and me having enough money, if that can be a thing that I take off of my own plate of worry, that actually seems really useful. And I, one of the definitions of enough that I like that I've made up for myself, or really it's a definition of abundance. I talk about this in Freely. I think that abundance means enough for all of us. And I just really like the idea that me having enough doesn't mean that you don't get to have enough and you having enough doesn't mean somebody else doesn't get to have enough. And it really feels like when I get out of the always chasing the next big thing, always wanting a little bit more money, always wanting a nicer this or that, when I can just practice feeling satisfied, feeling sated with what I have, that's actually where the satisfaction comes from. That's actually where the relaxation comes from. That's actually where the ease inside both the business and inside myself, that's where that comes from. Of course, this I'm not proposing that you need to feel ease inside yourself if you're literally struggling to pay the rent, right? Stress at that point is a very reasonable response. And fear actually is a very reasonable response because inside capitalism, people literally die from not having enough money, from not being able to pay their rent, from ending up home. There's all these ways that our fear about money is really real and valid. And I'm not trying to say that, oh, we just need to think positively and gaslight yourself so that you don't feel stressed out about money. But I think that there's a tipping point where I do actually have enough and I still feel really stressed out. I do actually have enough and I'm still trying to chase more. And that's because of our capitalist conditioning that says we have to always be chasing the next thing. So it takes both the literal material work of figuring out how much you need and then getting that amount and also doing the internal work that says, once I arrive at that amount, I can feel okay. Once I arrive at that amount, I may still feel some anxiety from my lifetime of conditioning, but I'm working on that. And I don't see that anxiety as factual anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the place where that ease comes from. So let's talk about this in terms of marketing. Cause I know you also help people with marketing sometimes, and I help people with their content but also for me, and I'm guessing for you, I'm assuming, but also figuring out what's enough in terms of money or how many clients you need totally takes off the pressure. Like the same exact thing we're talking about with getting more money could relate to like more followers, more subscribers, like always trying to feel like you got to keep getting more and more when maybe we already have enough, like you might already have enough, right? It helps with marketing. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's so much push inside the online business world for us to pursue like an influencer model of business. And the influencer model is like, just keep getting more and more and more followers, just go viral over and over again, just get in front of more and more and more people. And for a lot of us, that's not actually super useful or strategic for the types of businesses that we're trying to run. And so to me, I think about some really specific calculations, right? And this is the marketing analog to the pricing formula that I teach in Freely, where it's like, okay, how much do you need? How much can you work? There's your base rate for how much you should charge. And the same kind of math can apply for marketing where it's like, okay, how many clients do you need? Then therefore, how big of an audience do you need to have in order to consistently get that many clients? How often are you turning your clients over? Do you need to enroll your program six times a year at 10 people? Cool. You need 60 clients, 60 new clients a year. Great. Let's like do the math on what an industry standard conversion rate might be. And then, okay, how many people might you need in your audience if you run smaller programs that are higher priced, you only enroll them once a year. Okay, cool. Then maybe you need 15 clients a year at a much higher rate than somebody who needs 60 a year. And then, okay, what does that look like in terms of how much growth you need per year in order to keep 15 new clients in your audience available to be the people who then sign up and enroll in your programs? Does that make sense how that math shakes out? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because when it's just the pressure to just keep growing and there's no end game. I mean, in capitalism, it's you just keep going. You just buy everything and take over everything and you just keep it's the Lorax until there's no trees. So that's really overwhelming. And for me, was starting to make me feel like, oh, well, after I get my kid off the bus, I should go back to work. I have to keep working. Oh, it's the weekend, but the kids are on their iPad. So I'm going to write an email or it's just the pressure to keep doing it to make more money, to get more people on my list, to get to more, more, more. And I'm like, what's the end game? And I think that is what freely helped me figure out what is the end game? What's the goal? And like I said, we even made baby step goals of this would be good right now to cover our bills and not dip into savings. Okay. But then like in a year or two, wouldn't it be cool if we could do this? And then in a couple more years, wouldn't it be cool if we could buy the snow cones without worrying about it on the beach? Like we have a little path And it doesn't get that big. I was in a training or like workshop the other day and we had to write like our big audacious goal down. And I was like, if I'm being honest, if I'm being vulnerable, I was like around people who are saying big numbers. So I upped my number that is already my big number because I just felt pressure to. And then afterwards was like, why did I do that? But it was because it was a workshop aimed at a little bit more like charging your worth and getting more. And so I was like, my number was still way lower than everybody else's, but it was a hundred grand more than the number that is actually yeah. on my spreadsheet. Cause I felt like, I don't know. I felt like I was going to get called out if it was too low. Like I didn't have good self-esteem or something. Yeah. I really appreciate you sharing that story because there's a real nefarious tendency inside of a lot of online business spaces to equate our desire for continual perpetual growth with our self-worth. If you think highly of yourself, you will want to keep growing forever. And if you don't want to keep growing forever, you must feel bad about yourself. You must have self-worth issues. You must not believe in yourself. And I just think that's such 
bullshit because like actually I really love myself and I love myself enough to know what enough is. I don't need to keep chasing a higher and higher income goal in order to prove to myself that I'm worth something. I'm worth something when I make $20,000 a year. I'm also worth something if I ever make $200,000 a year or $2 million a year. And like the money doesn't have anything to do with it. And I think that that's such a dangerous position for us to hold inside ourselves that says I need to keep dreaming bigger. It's actually, what about just being really satisfied with the beauty that life offers us every single day? <laughs> I don't know. Is that a radical thing to say? I guess it's a radical thing to say. And that doesn't mean I want people to like suffer inside of the very real scarcity that capitalism can create and just like, oh, be happy with not having enough. But yeah, to me, there is a real spiritual principle of enoughness that I'm really invested in as a way towards like ecological wholeness, as a way towards cultural and societal liberation. I'm like, if we're going to ever reach a place where everybody gets to be free, actually, some of us have to scale back. Actually, billionaires need to have less. There's a balance point of like everybody having enough is possible, but not if many people have way, way, way too much. Yes. Okay. So I want to circle back a little bit to when we talked about the difference between capitalism and commerce and how you were saying that capitalism is always growing. Does there always have to be an element of exploitation? I think you said extraction, but is that always a part of capitalism that does not have to be a part of commerce? I guess it could be a part of commerce, but ideally not having exploitation in our commerce. Is that, I still feel like a newbie in all this. So help me out. <laughs> yeah. So I think that one of the things that happens inside capitalism or one of the things that's happened historically is that we're always looking for new places to make money from. And by we, I mean people inside a capitalist economy are always looking for new sources to make money from. And so that has led to some like really deleterious effects on the planet, among people, like inside of power structures. That's a really dangerous thing to have a system that because it needs to keep growing forever, eventually it will lead to exploitation. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's true even on the smallest scale inside of our businesses. I think about this of like all the ways that, you know, like the four hour work week, there's like all these sort of models that say like the way for you to be able to, and I don't mean to call out that particular book. There's lots of models that are like this, but like the way for you to be able to have way more than enough is to underpay everyone else who works for you, for instance. So if you want to make tons of money, you need to make it so that nobody else who works for you is making enough money. And it's like, well, it's interesting because I've been on the other side of that. Like I've worked for a person who, when I first started, ran an agency and like, I just had to look at her social media that was also like coaching people to be agency owners who were like living their best lives. And I was getting paid like literally like a dollar graphic after I paid attention to what I was doing. And so I brought it up to her and then they were like, oh, we no longer need your services. And I was like, wow. Oh. But it was a really clear picture of, well, why do you think that you get to live that life? Because I'm not going to be able to meet my spreadsheet goals <laughs> at all yeah. with the rate you're paying me. So that was interesting. Also, I just yeah. want you to know that I'm recording these episodes out of order, but you are the second guest this week who has brought up that book. <laughs> so clearly ah, we're wow, all on okay. the same page. We're good. <laughs> Becca, That's do you know really Becca funny. Rich? You 
probably don't. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She's she's a friend. And, yeah. yeah. That's so funny. Now I'm like, okay, I need to look at this book just to yeah. see the terror. <laughs> yeah, just to know what's going on out in the conversation out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think yeah. this problem of, like, for me, that this thing of really not wanting to exploit other people is part of why I have kept my own business very small. I never hired anybody to help me with anything until I could actually pay them a living wage. And now anytime I hire anybody, I don't have any full-time like employees or anything like that. Nobody else on my team really, but I occasionally will hire people to be like, I need an assistant to help me with tech stuff for this class. Or I've hired like a transcription person to do transcripts of the Freely class or whatever. But I couldn't hire those people for a long time because I couldn't afford to pay them well enough that it was a reasonable thing to ask them to do. And that's so complicated, right? Because when you're like unwilling to exploit people, then it also creates barriers in other directions. So for a long time, the Freely class didn't have transcripts for the classes, which is an accessibility issue. But I was like, I don't have the skills to do this myself. And I'm not going to pay somebody less than a reasonable wage to do this. And so at a certain point, some years into being in business, I was like, okay, cool. I can actually afford to pay somebody for this. But there's like catastrophic growth that happens for people where they get so big so fast that then actually things fall apart because they're exploiting people because they don't have the infrastructure in place to like actually be in relationship with the people that they're trying to both work with as clients and have as employees. And I've seen that happen over and over again with clients that have hired me as their coach, that they're like, I grew this big thing and now actually I don't want to actually keep it up. This is not fun or doable for me anymore. It doesn't feel good. And it's like, yeah, but we get stuck chasing that upward dream. And I think it does often lead to relationships that sort of inevitably feel inequitable to people. Mm -hmm. So just the idea of... Just to wrap it up, I feel like the idea of knowing what's enough for you. And I think once you get clear on that, tell me if I'm wrong, you can stop chasing that growth. You could be okay with maybe it just being you. Like you could just scale everything down and all of a sudden things seem like way less pressure. Like you don't have to manage people. You don't have to post on Instagram every day, but you also don't have to make a gajillion dollars if you don't have to. Like you said, everybody can make their own spreadsheet. Like I'll make your spreadsheet and then you can figure out what is enough. But I think lots of people would be surprised if they actually write it down. Or at least I was when I took the workshop. Oh like, yeah. Oh, it's much more doable than I didn't even have a goal before. I just knew it should be big and it should just keep growing and it should just be like huge. That was the goal that felt a little unattainable. And then when I wrote it down, I was like, oh, we could do this. Not tomorrow, but we could work towards this. So do you have any like ending words of wisdom? I think everything you said about enoughness was like spoke to my heart. Yeah. I think it's funny that you say that about your own number feeling really doable. That makes me really happy to hear. And when I did my own, the number that I teach from in Freely where I'm like, I need to make, I think it's like $40,000 a year, $45,000 a year, I think is what I say in the class. And that actually was not enough. When I started making $45,000 a year, I was like, oh, I still don't have health insurance. Wait a minute. So like really basic things that I had not included in my own calculation for myself. And some of that, again, to your point about growing up in a sort of punk artist community, growing up poor in the deep South is like, okay, yeah, I'm really attenuated to just being okay with very little. And so I think it depends on 
which side of the financial spectrum you might come from. But for some people, arriving at a number that is actually big enough to meet your needs is going to be the thing that's really challenging. And for some people, doing that inner work of accepting that enough can just be enough, like both of those things feel like they have to happen in tandem. And maybe you have a little more of one or a little more of the other to do because of your own kind of background and experiences. But I do think it's really possible for people to figure out that math of how much you actually need and then really arrive in perhaps a continual work kind of place where you're like, okay, I'm always working on this thing of feeling okay with enough, but to arrive at a place where you do have enough money and you feel like you have enough money and then you don't have to keep chasing the next big thing. And like, what a place of beauty and ease and joy that could be. (laughs) Yes, it's way better to me than having a million dollars. That feeling sounds way better to me. Sorry, kids who were hoping on a big retirement or whatever you call that. Inheritance. I'm not, yeah, Yeah. inheritance. I'm like, I I don't even know the word. See what I mean? So we're like, yeah, that sounds like an amazing life, I think. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for being here. This was amazing. Everybody should go get the workshop freely. Shout out to you also for inspiring me to make Steal This Course, um, which is my little audio course. And it's like $9 or people can push a button to steal it if they've already spent too much on courses. It's a course about how not to keep buying courses you don't need. This is perfect. I love it. Yeah. So, and your payment options on Freely inspired that. So shout out to you, but yes, it's a great workshop. Everybody should check it out. Thank yes, you so much can, for being It's not called Steal This Course, but people can steal freely too. <laughs> <laughs> freely. Steal This Course. You guys are just racking in the free courses today, but just yeah. saying. I always say in Steal This Course that not all courses are bad. And if I'm going to say not all courses are bad, I'm going to say that Freely is a good one and you should get it. So and Bear just said you can steal it. So boom. Thanks. Anyways. All right, cool. I'll talk to you later. Thanks. Want to connect with Bear or purchase the Freely Workshop? head over to bearcoaches.com or connect with Bear over on Instagram at Bear Abear. B-E-A-R-H-E-B-E-R-T underscore. And of course, all the links will be in the show notes. Thanks for listening to Big Fun Content. If you like what you heard today, think about pushing that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Also, I would love it if you would leave me a review so more people could find me. Wink, wink. And last but not least, if you want to remain in my world and get some really fun emails in your inbox, head over to deannaseymour.com newsletter to join my email list. See you next time.